most senior people who get to the top of an organization are more mentally tough than average. But if they're not self-aware about their mental toughness, it can easily become a disadvantage. So mental, mental toughness is important, but it's an enabler. It's not an end product for anybody. It's the thing that enables you to achieve performance, well-being, all of those other factors. But in order to do that, you've got to be self-aware about your mental toughness. Welcome to the Forging Metal Podcast with your blacksmiths, Tara O'Brien and Ron Duran Jr. Come inside and grab your hammer. The fire is hot and ready. It's time to harden up. Let's get to work. The Forge is now open. We're glad to have you back and joining us for another chat this week. We are going to dive deep in this episode on the concept of mental toughness, what it is, what it means, uh, how we can develop it, how we can strengthen it, and how we can assess how good or not so good we are in this area. Joining us for this discussion is a leading authority on the concept, Doug Straharchik, who will dive into what mental toughness is as he's been studying it for quite a few years and the mindset and resilience that goes with it and what some of the key enablers are for outcomes in these areas. He has extensive experience in 80 plus countries with the application of not only teaching mental toughness, but also assessing it for companies, corporations, and individuals, particularly in the worlds of education, well-being, young person development globally, and health and sport. Please welcome Doug to The Forge. Doug. Thank you for being here today. You've co-authored several books and, and quite honestly, a couple that I've read on the topic of mental toughness. Somewhere along the way, and maybe we'll, we'll unpack this, but somewhere along the way, you became an expert in mental toughness. And, and that's maybe an interesting story. You've been in this business a long time, um, and, and now you're a sought after expert on mental toughness. And I know you've worked a lot with a couple psychologists, but, but namely Peter Clough. Let's start with the definition or the definition that you and Peter like to use uh, for mental toughness. And there's a lot of them out there, as you know, uh, Doug, and, and some of the listeners may know there's a lot of them out there. But this is one I really like. And then also let's kind of move into maybe a high level of the four C's model and how did it come to be? OK, well, thank you, Ron, and thank you for that very flattering description. Uh, I, I'm a learner. Uh, I, I think I'll sit alongside a lot of real experts and I absorb information from them. And it's given me a level of expertise that I think is useful. But if I look at the definition of mental toughness, the first thing to understand about it is it's a personality trait. That's fundamentally important to grasp. So we, we do describe it as a personality trait. And it's a personality trait which explains in large part, and by that we mean it's not the whole of the explanation, but it's a big part of the explanation, how people respond mentally when confronted by events. And that could mean setbacks, could be opportunity, could be challenge. And it's irrespective of circumstances. So if I go back to the personality uh, trait aspect, I think most people listening will be familiar with the idea of personality. 
but I almost certainly guarantee that most of the time they're actually talking about an aspect of personality. And very, people are very familiar with behavioral aspects of personality. So they'll be familiar with Jungian models, with the big five models and so on. But those aspects of personality are describing and helping you to understand how people act when things happen. But actually there's a more fundamentally important question. Why do we act the way we do? And this is where mental toughness comes in because it's helping us to get to an answer to that question. Mental toughness is describing and helping us to understand how people think when things happen. Now, the reason why it's been quite hard to get to is behavior is visible. We can all look at each other and we can observe behavior and we can make some judgments about behavior. Our mental approach to events is invisible. It sits in here, sits in our head, and we can't see it. I can't see what's going on in your head. You can't see what's going on in mine. And actually, most of the time, we can't see what's going on in our own head. When something happens, we're very often very aware we've responded, but we don't actually understand totally why we've responded the way we do. So it's a fundamentally important aspect of our personality. And in many ways, the last 20 or 30 years has seen an important breakthrough in understanding how people and how organizations work. And we do know that how we think impacts on how we behave, how we respond emotionally, and so on. Doug, you, uh, I mean, you mentioned that it's uh, really kind of grown in the last 20 to 30 years, which you've been working on it for roughly that long uh, in this field, and this has kind of been your world. Why did you, what is your why behind why this, uh, this topic and this field really drew you into it? I mean, why did you want to get involved in this work, especially when, and we'll talk about this today, especially when 20, 30 years ago, mental toughness was not like uh, on the, the, it was not front stage on the minds of people and organizations. So what drew you to it working in this, in this realm? Well, two things really. Uh, the most important one was I recruited a young psychologist to work in our company. His name was Peter Clough. And for three years, he came in and he spoke endlessly about this concept that he was fascinated by. And he's, he's really at heart a sports psychologist. So there's that connection. And he went on, on and on and on about it. And eventually, uh, I became began to become interested. And we happened to be doing a project uh, assessing 700 senior managers for the UK uh, customs uh, authority. Oh, or, wow. And we began to observe, you know, we were doing a conventional assessment center and we began to observe things happening that we couldn't explain through a behavioral model. And bit by bit, well, particularly me, I began to understand that what Peter had been talking about, and he'd been talking about it uh, primarily in the sports context was happening right in front of my eyes. And I was watching it happen in managerial populations in a very large organization. In other words, in the world of sport, we know that mindset matters. You can have a competent group of athletes outperform a much better group of athletes simply because they have the will to win, you know, or something like that. So we know that there's something that that's, you can bring to a situation through your mindset that enables you to kind of perform exceptionally well and also enjoy better well-being. So bit by bit, I began to be fascinated. 
But part of it is also to do with my background. Uh, my parents are Polish immigrants, refugees, and I guess I was born in and brought up in quite poor circumstances, totally unaware that I was poor. And I had two very, very close friends who were every bit as bright as I was. And in the UK, at about the age of 11, you have to complete something, or you did then, complete the 11 plus. And your performance on that exam determined what happened to you, almost for the rest of your life, but certainly for the next few years. I passed, I went to a really good school. My two friends, for some reason, didn't pass. They went to two different schools. And I hardly saw them after that. I've, trying to, I've tried to keep an eye on what they've been doing and found out very recently once just passed away. But we led completely different lives and I wanted to understand why me, why not them? And that's always been a question that's bugged me. And through the mental toughness concept, I think I've got to a large part of the answer. That's fascinating. How, yeah, how a fork, story. yeah, a fork in the road, you know, yes. you know, and, and, and maybe, and maybe it was because you had more mental toughness. Um, certainly the concept that we're talking about, I noticed that you talk about mental toughness in the context of sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people that are listening, uh, that are not familiar with this world of mental toughness, the first thing that comes to mind is probably the world of sport, or maybe they think of somebody like, I don't know, we've had several Navy SEALs on the show. So we, they might think of like elite military units. Yeah. Mental toughness is good for them. That, I think that's obvious. Elite athletes, good for them. That's obvious. But what is it about mental toughness that's beneficial for all of us? Every, you know, Tara and I and everybody else that's listening, I firmly believe, and I think you agree, Doug, I think there's something here for everybody. And so maybe unpack that a little bit for us. Okay. Well, that's, that's, I think that's a great question. And I suppose in the last five or 10 years, we've really got to understand some of the nuances around mental toughness. The first thing is, There are about 250 peer-reviewed research papers on the four C's concept and the psychometric measure that goes with it. And we can talk about that later. And if you look at that, that research, it's sort of distills down to four things. There's a big connection between mental toughness in general and performance. So having mental toughness gives you an advantage. There's a big connection between mental toughness and well-being. So being mentally tough gives you an advantage in terms of your mental health. There's a big connection with agility. And that's that's very important in the last couple of years. Our ability to respond quickly and positively to sudden changes, to sudden shocks. And then there's a big link with aspirations. But as we've gone on, what we've understood is that mental toughness is a spectrum. So at one end, you've got mental toughness, and the mentally tough individual is somebody kind of breezes through life. Things go wrong. They take it in a stride. They expect things to go wrong. So when they happen, they don't particularly knock them out of their stride. But right at the other end, you've got mental sensitivity. Now, mental sensitivity isn't bad. Um, We can discuss it later. You can actually have advantages whilst you've got uh, mental sensitivity. But a mentally sensitive person in general is somebody that feels every bump on the road. So when things go wrong for a mentally sensitive individual, it can't stop them in their tracks. They feel bruised. They take a long time to recover. Whereas a mentally tough individual won't. 
but it's a little bit more nuanced than that because what we've learned largely through our work with senior leaders and it's, it's an important area is that most senior people who get to the top of an organization are more mentally tough than average but if they're not self-aware about their mental toughness it can easily become a disadvantage so i talk about one particular aspect of mental toughness we might look at the factors a little later but one of the factors is something we call life control it's where the sense of can do sits and it's pretty obvious that if you've got a really big sense of can do you know your mental approach is i've got a, i've got a lot of self-worth i can do whatever i want to uh, i'll have a go at everything that's going to give you a big advantage because you'll always be having a go the potential downside is that sometimes you'll have a go when you really aren't able to do it so you kind of stretch yourself you push yourself a little bit too far but there's another potential downside and i think a lot of listeners will recognize this because every time i mention it people do is that if you've got that level of mental toughness that level of can do your approach to other people can be i can do it why can't you and that is destructive and so you've got this you know inner power or inner strength and inner capability but if you want to try and engage with people around you it can actually turn against you it can become your weakness so the, the the ultimate message is whether you're mentally tough or mentally sensitive will have a an impact on what you can achieve on your well-being but you can really mitigate that impact through self-awareness so a senior leader who's mentally tough and lacking self-awareness will wonder why nobody will follow me know why people shy away from me when i speak to them a mentally tough person with a lot of self-awareness will understand that and will work out how to do it similarly for a mentally sensitive individual a mentally sensitive individual will begin to understand where their mental sensitivity lies understand its implications for themselves and say well i need to do something about it i can either develop my mental toughness or i can begin to develop coping mechanisms to help me deal with these areas of sensitivity so mental mental toughness is important but it's an enabler it's not an end product for anybody it's the thing that enables you to achieve performance well-being all of those other factors but in order to do that you've got to be self-aware about your mental toughness and of course it goes back to what i said earlier the big challenge is it's invisible it sits inside your head and you can't see it yeah, it has to start with self-awareness. And we talk about that yeah. a lot on this podcast. We also talk a lot about uh, the narrative inside, you know, the narrative that we tell ourselves or the narrative that we uh, hone. Mm. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Uh, as you're saying, mental toughness is is a personality trait. Mm. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you stand behind that we can learn that personality trait. We can acquire it. How much of that personality trait do you think is attached to narrative? In other words, uh, you know, if we decide to take a negative narrative or a positive narrative on um, whether we can do something or we can't do something, what are your thoughts on on narrative and mental toughness? Okay, so one of the, the nice things about uh, living in this very evidence-based world, you know, rubbing shoulders with lots of academics, is that the University of Western, Western Ontario has researched this. They actually carried out an interesting study using um, monozygotic and dizygotic twins I mean North America if twins are orphaned or taken into care 
it's not unusual for them to be separated and brought up uh, in different families and in different circumstances. That wouldn't happen in Europe. But, you know, we've got to be grateful it's, uh, this happens in North America because it enables people to do some research around it. So what they, they did is they, they tracked 800 twins who had been separated but had been brought up in different circumstances. Now, if there was a very heavy genetic influence, they would have all, they, they, the twins would have all come out pretty similar in terms of mental toughness. If there was a slight genetic influence, much more nurture influence, then you'd see big, you, you might see big differences. And what they found was that around 50% of your mental toughness is influenced genetically, and about 50% is environmentally driven. Well, funnily enough, if, if you're familiar with the research on the Big Five model, that's exactly the same stats. They reckon about half of your Big Five behaviours are determined genetically, and about half are determined environmentally. And what that means is a substantial part of your mental toughness is capable of being developed, if you wish. But for some of us, we'll already have a high, uh, reasonably high level. Some of us might start off at a low level, but all of us are capable of developing our mental, not all of us, the vast majority of us are capable of developing our mental toughness. But that doesn't mean we, should, we have to, because as I said before, it's actually self-awareness that matters. You know, I, I have worked with senior executives, a deputy chief executive, who had a mental toughness score in a one to 10 stand scale of one, mm. you know, almost as low as you could get. But you remember your mental toughness is one aspect of you. There are things, you know, you've got knowledge, you've got skills, you've got interests, you've got all these other things that are, you know, are, surrounds your mental toughness. Your mental toughness is, is one of those components. But the interesting thing about that component, of course, is it impacts on all the other components in a, in a fundamental way. But this was a woman who was very, very self-aware, knew what she could do, what she couldn't do, and made sure she played to her strengths. I think that's a powerful message. You know, we, we are obviously big proponents of increasing your mental toughness and developing that, uh, but maybe maybe that's not your path and i think we we need to allow for that you know it's funny mm -hmm. as, as a leadership professor and a lot of the things i study I, I hear that figure of about how much is in our dna how much is it yeah. uh, you know that's it's in our, and i hear you know a lot of times 30 to 50 percent so that doesn't surprise me that that research is coming out with that 50 percent now i always say you can look at that as a positive or a negative right i mean this is glass half full glass half empty I only have 50% to work with or look at how much I have to work with, yeah. you know? So, so I, I like to look at it. We, we've got a big lever here to um, kind of pull that. And, and if you want to develop mental toughness, you have that, uh, I don't know, you have that option. I also mm -hmm. say, I agree with you, you know, Doug, in my personal life, I think we can take mental toughness too far. And you, you mentioned this. So I think, you know, where does it get to that point where we've gone too far with this? And, and really, it's, it's maybe a point of diminishing returns and even toxic or destructive, as you said. Much more stuff on that. I don't know if we have time to get into that in this podcast, but there's a lot more out there to um, kind of build on that. But let's go. Let's talk about these buzzwords. 
Uh, the buzzwords that we hear, Tara and I hear a lot in the United States, and really the big one right now is resilience. And then the other one, uh, kind of driven a lot by the research done by Angela Duckworth, is grit. So we hear a lot mm-hmm. about resilience and grit. And I feel like this might be just my, my perception, but I feel like mental toughness is not, a, at least in the United States, has not got to that level of, of resilience and grit. But here's the beautiful thing, Doug. Tell us, this is fascinating to me because we have a big umbrella of mental toughness and resilience and grit kind of sit underneath that. So tell us a little bit about that. Globally, it's for us, it's a journey. I mean, we've we've picked up a, a term that was coined by Jim Lawler and which has been accepted as the correct term for the concept. And it's sometimes given as a, the old headache because people sometimes respond to the word toughness and think, oh, this is about being macho. It isn't. It's about toughness in another sense, in a material sense. You know, when we talk about materials being tough and soft, that's, that was really its origins. And so it's, it's about toughness in the resilient sense of the word. Um, funnily enough, Ron, sometimes people respond to the word mental. When we work in the health sector, we find quite a lot of people don't like that because they associate the word mental with problems, you know. So, but it's, but a mentally tough individual is just another hurdle to, to climb. <laughs> That's all. Uh, but when we look at, uh, when we started out this journey, we actually started out because Peter was a sports psychologist with the work of Jim Law. And we were fascinated, he was fascinated by what Jim Law um, had done. Although at that time, he hadn't necessarily described to any great extent what mental toughness was. It was just something he'd grasped and was able to bring to his athletes. But as we started looking at it a bit more, we began to understand that there were other concepts which predate grit and mindset. Um, You've got things like, uh, well, resilience, which uh, has been a concept in health psychology for, for some time. It's associated with uh, stress management. And that has pr- probably been around since about the 1950s and 1960s. It's unfortunately become a, uh, an umbrella term. People almost describe everything loosely in that field as resilience. But actually, I was awarded a prize about 50, or 60, 50 years ago for a dissertation that I wrote. And I was given the Oxford English Dictionary. Now, a look in that, 50 years ago, there was a pretty precise dis- description of resilience, and it was the ability to recover from an adverse situation. That's very specific. That's, there's nothing about it, you doing it positively or negatively. That's, we, we tend to stick with that understanding of resilience. Otherwise, we get into a bit of a mess trying to deal with everybody's personal take. That concept sits very comfortably within the mental toughness framework. It accounts for about half of the framework. So what we're beginning to, what we've understood is the mental toughness embraces resilience, but adds elements of positivity to it. When we then started to look at other people who were doing other things in this, it's sort of the broader field. So you had somebody, I don't know whether you're familiar with Suzanne Cabasa, Mm who developed um, the notion of hardiness. Now, she took resilience and built on resilience, and she added this notion of challenge. She she was probably the first person to start adding this notion of positivity to the picture. And she's probably the unsung heroine in all of this in, in recent times. She wasn't acknowledged for what she did. And then, you know, this Canadian, Dinspear, 
who began to understand that uh, psych phys physiological development could lead to psychological development. So he did some really in interesting experiments where he got people to do things physically, master them physically, and magically they were able to do things better mentally, although nobody was doing any mental development. So there's a lot of things happening in a lot of different spheres. And then you look at educational psychology, you had people like Seligman coming up with his positive psychology ideas. You had uh, Dweck talking about mindset and you can map growth mindset to the mental toughness framework. We have challenges with the fixed mindset. There are, there are issues around that. And then of course you had Duckworth coming along with, with grit and you can position grit in one quadrant of the mental toughness concept. And what we've learned and we've got, we're acknowledged about is mental toughness is becoming an umbrella concept. It's pulling all of these ideas together. And then of course, if we kind of go back in time a little, we begin to understand that this isn't a modern concept at all. Um, because if you go back all the way to Plato and Plato's famous for his four virtues, which now form um, the core of a lot of religions these days. Now, in the Christian faith, you have the seven virtues, and they added faith, hope, and charity to, to Plato's four virtues. One of Plato's virtues is fortitude. And when you look at fortitude and look at the way he describes it, it's pretty much the way we describe mental toughness today. That's two and a half thousand years ago, you know? And we just didn't have TED Talks then, so Plato couldn't tell it, <laughs> give it to the rest of the world. I love to study old philosophers that I'm like, yeah. wow, they were ahead of the game, right? They were ahead of the game. If they only were. they had then, podcasts, they, right? Yeah, and they, that's podcasts right. And, TED Talks. and then they influenced uh, <laughs> the Romans, and it, about 500 years later, the Stoic movement. Yes. People like Epictetus. I mean, they, they drew all their thinking from Plato. And when you look at Stoicism, you know, there's a whole history of mental toughness. And Peter Clough often uses the phrase that Einstein coined, um, progress is all about standing on the shoulder of giants. But really what we've been doing is building on all of these ideas, pulling them all together, trying to make sense of all of them. And we think we've got to a position confirmed with a lot of research where we've got pretty good understanding of what the mental toughness concept is. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a student of not only stoicism, but just, uh, that, that time in history. And I'm just fascinated that they got a lot of things right back then. Yeah. And now we're seeing the research to back it up. You know, we, we've got the research now to say, Hey, you know, 2000 to 2,500 years ago, these guys knew what they were talking about, which is fascinating to me in general. How did they do, you know, that to me, that's a lot of powers of observation, <laughs> right? Just studying human nature, you know, they, they weren't psychologists. They weren't trained like we are now, but they got a lot of it right. And that, I don't know, that to me, that's fascinating. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know this notion of how do you visualize things? Something we see it in the modern day, you know, you listen to a piece of music and you realize that the composer had that music in their head and he understood how 50 or 60 instruments were going to perform before anybody could even, you know, see it on paper. How did how do some people see that? So we'd, we're just fortunate we're able to capture all, all of that, pull it together, and we've been able to, I suppose, operationalize what a lot of people have been talking about. 
and that enables us to put it into the hands of practitioners. And of course, the other thing that's been a major benefit is in order to test out a lot of thinking, we had to develop a, a way of measuring things. And the byproduct of that is a very high quality psychometric measure. So when we talk about the mental toughness concept being invisible and your mental toughness being invisible, we're able to kind of make that a little bit more visible now. Well, let's dig into that a little bit, Doug. I feel like we've uh, set a pretty good stage for a little bit of history on mental toughness, resilience and grit um, and how they all fit together. And aside from you being a subject matter expert here and have worked in this field for quite a long time, you're physically taking these things, like you said, and going out into the world now uh, globally and dealing with um, what I think is on the minds of all organizations and leaders right now is how are we going to recover from the last year and a half of what we've gone through with having people work remote, uh, a pandemic, um, uh, you know, you can build a list of global crises that we've endured over the mm. last year and a half. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing. Why is this so um, needed and what are you seeing globally? And, and just give us a little idea of what you're doing while you're working with corporations. Well, there, in fact, we work in just about every sector you can imagine. We do a lot of work with corporations. We work with governments, um, but we also work in the world of education, um, particularly high school, further education and higher education. We work in mental health, we work in sport, we just work everywhere. And when you think about it, because it's such a fundamental aspect of our personality, it matters wherever people have to do things. So one of our challenges is to try and do one thing at a time. People are pulling us in every direction possible. I noticed a, a big change globally in 2008. Mm. You know, when we talk about the present crisis, we, we've already forgotten that in 2008, we also had another crisis that created a lot of unemployment and created a lot of austerity for a lot of people. And what we saw there is that there were lots of people in, who were in decision-making roles who suddenly were stuck for, what do I do? How do I uh, deal with this situation? Because it just seemed hopeless. And so all the traditional solutions that were available at the time just didn't seem to work. And that's when we saw a lot of interest in what we do. And that's where we began to see people were tended to be focused on behavior, performance, very visible, tangible things. And what we began to see is an understanding that uh, maybe there's something else we should be working on. We should be working on our mental approach, our attitude. And then in 2017, the World Economic Forum produced their vision of the 20 skills that a young person needed in the 21st century in order to be successful. And if you'd seen those kind of lists in the past, they were all very technical, they were very tangible skills. Out of the 20 skills, I think 13 would be what you would call soft skills. Now, problem solving ability, uh, resilience, being able to stick at something, being able to see things through. So suddenly there's a, an awareness that maybe we should be paying attention to this aspect of, of people and this aspect of organisations. 
because you know Ron, you you work in organisations, you look at leadership. One of the things that we've learned in connecting leadership and mental toughness is it's a big influence on culture. You go to most organisations and you say, describe your culture, your desired culture. It will always, nearly always, uh, contain resilience, being able to deal with the things that go wrong, and optimism, having a, a positive view about the future. Well, that's mental toughness of an organisation. So we're beginning to see a lot more awareness. We've seen generations of people coming into leadership roles, into uh, the workplace, who understand that a lot better. But even so, there's a poor understanding of the concept. And that's really our mission, to try and create that understanding and to try and sort of make sense of the confusion. Because as you, you're right, you, you can hear... You know, people talk about positive psychology, people talk about mindset, people talk about grit. And for a lot of people, that can be quite confusing. You know, which is the right idea? Well, they're all the right idea, but you have to bundle them together in the right way. Going back to the report, that's music to my ears as, as somebody that that's a, is passionate about leadership. But um, 13 out of the 20 are what we call soft skills. I don't like yeah. that term. Yeah, like the term too. soft skills because I feel like it gets pushed away because, oh, it's soft, so I don't need to focus on that. I call them tools of excellence. Yeah. These are the things that are going to set you apart as we move forward. I'm, I firmly believe that, and I think Tara's on board with that. Um, the other thing I want to point out is you talk about this, this you know, the economic crisis we had in, in roughly 2008. And, and I, I, I want to caution people that are sitting in this, this pandemic right now, and it's been tough, right? We've over a year, it's been very tough. It's been tough globally. And I, I don't want people to get lax and say, well, as soon as this is over, mental toughness is not going to be that important. Here's the deal. There's going to be yeah. another storm that we're going to have to go through. And if you didn't perform well during this storm, what are you going to do to get ready for the next thing? Because there will be a next thing. We're not, you know, 2008, 2000, you know, whatever. It, it repeats through history. And so I want everybody to hopefully say, this is not just a COVID thing. This is something that's going to continue um, as we move forward. Well, and Ron, it goes down to the little, even the littlest daily things. I mean, you know, we don't have to be in a global uh, crisis or um, suffering a tsunami. It's like a flat tire, Um, right? Right. You know, it's like uh, taking care of the kids on a daily basis. I mean, it's 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 down to the littlest uh, things that are actually big, right? So totally, totally. Thank you for bringing that up because yeah, I mean, we have little things that happen probably almost on a daily basis that we go, God, this this kind of sucks. And how do we deal with that? I think mental toughness is a great model to help you weather those storms or those bumps in the road, as, as Doug says. So let, let's, let's spin this a little bit. You mentioned, you know, there's all kinds of research that says uh, if you increase your mental toughness, it's going to help your well-being, your subjective well-being. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, <clears throat> psychologists like to call subjective well-being your happiness. Um, and, and this is going to have a direct connection hopefully you see this with mental health. And so we're hearing a lot of discussion around mental health right now. How can we take care of our people? How can we take care of ourselves? Um, You know, our own mental health. So how do you think, Doug, how can mental health or mental toughness help with mental health? Well, I mean, for for that, again, we're grateful for some research. Uh, I would say about two thirds of the research has come from the University of Basel or Baal, depending on whether you're French or German. And they have looked at 
mental toughness and its relationship with anxiety, the stress, depression, sleep. And they've produced perhaps a dozen papers and every single paper shows that there's a correlation between mental toughness and your ability to manage anxiety. And that's important. A mentally tough individual isn't necessarily less anxious than a mentally sensitive individual. A mentally tough individual is able to manage their anxiety. A mentally sensitive is, it person is less able to manage their anxiety. And the same goes for stress, depression. But the thing that fascinated me was the link with sleep. And we know how, you know, we've seen a lot of talk and a lot of magazine articles how important sleep is. But there is rock solid uh, relationship between the mental toughness of an individual as assessed through the mental toughness questionnaire and their ability to have a go to sleep and have a good night's sleep. And we think that's uh, related to a concept called directed forgetting that has been identified by one of Peter Clough's colleagues, Professor uh, Stephen Dewhurst. And they think it's probably one of the, the fundamental mechanisms um, underpinning mental toughness. And apparently some of us, the more mentally tough, have the ability when we want to, to directly forget something, to park it to one side. So if we've had a lousy day, some of us can just say, well, I'm not thinking about that till tomorrow. I'm going to maybe use guided imagery or go and watch a comedy program for half an hour or do something I really like doing. And I'm dumping it out of my head. The mentally sensitive are much less able to do that. And that ha has potentially a big impact, well, on anxiety, depression, and all the rest of it, but it certainly has an impact on sleep. We, so, we see that we see that in sports, right? I mean, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the ones that perform well, they, they sometimes you hear short memory. They forget about it. They just screwed up. They forget about yeah. it and they move on. And I think maybe there's a lesson for all of us to let that go. Uh, can't do anything about the past, learn from it and move on. So I think it's a great lesson. Well, there's been, you know, in, in the UK, we tend to um, focus on soccer. And in the, on the soccer field, you have 10 outfield players and a goalkeeper. If a goalkeeper makes a mistake, the world knows about it. And if a goalkeeper can't recover in seconds, they're, they're done. An outfield player can make a mistake, but knows that their colleagues, the fellow athletes can probably rescue them and, and sort them out so they can make many mistakes and not worry about it goalkeeper mm. has nowhere to go that's that's football right football we call it Soccer. football yes yeah <laughs> but yeah. uh doug you uh, as uh, as ron mentioned you've co-authored some really great books um and we'll throw these in the show notes but just a couple of them you know developing mental toughness coaching strategies to improve performance resilience and well-being one that i really um love and and want to want to read next is developing mental toughness in young people yeah uh, right approaches to achievement well-being employability this uh there's quite a few books like i said we'll throw them in the show notes but you also authored a blog post uh titled mental toughness and the sexes which is intriguing. And uh, we want to talk to you about that. So what does the research say when uh, we talk about mental toughness between the sexes of, of men and women? And we'll, we'll probably just stay there. But men and women, um, what what are you seeing when men it comes to who's tough, more right? mentally tough? Wait, what's that, Ron? <laughs> men are more mentally tough. Come on. Oh, is that right? Okay. Um, what do you think, Doug? 
Well, okay, so again, we can go to the evidence. And it's it's probably what I would say one of the four most popular questions we get asked. Oh, really? It's, okay. We call it the four myths because everybody assumes that mental toughness is somehow a masculine concept. They, you know, they associate being macho with, with males. The research pretty consistently shows that when you assess large groups of people, the mental toughness profiles for males and females are virtually identical. Wow. Statistically, they're the same. Now that is actually a very important message because while you turn that round and say, actually in terms of you know, this aspect of your personality, there's absolutely no reason why anybody could justify discriminating between males and females. There's no, no argument for it. You know, so I think that that's a very powerful thing for, um, you know, for, for the equality, diversity and inclusion um, argument. However, it's not quite as simple as that because there's a societal um, element to this. So the research, unfortunately, also shows that if you look at, say, males and females being recruited into an organisation, males and females will generally be about the same level. And then you look at the mental toughness profiles at, in leadership roles in, in organisations, the, the mental toughness profiles for females are much higher than they are for males. And this is telling us that females generally have to work harder or be more mentally tough to get to an equivalent position in an organization. So they have to work harder than a male has to do. Oh, that's, yeah, wow. That's not what I would have taken out of that. So that's an amazing um, revelation coming out of that research. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that changes over time. Because yeah, you know, well, I, would, yeah, well. I would say that that has definitely happened. Now, the, the one advantage of uh, getting to my ripe old age is you've seen a lot of things in the past. And I know I, I often shock people that my, I started work in 1969. My first job was with one of Britain's biggest companies. I went on a graduate scheme and after six months, I was promoted to training manager for a very big factory. And I walked into this place. I'd never met anybody before. And I had six training officers working for me. Every single one was a woman. Every single one had more experience, more than 20 years experience, then more experience than I had lived. And yet they were never ever considered to be the training manager. And I was sat there. I, I mean, I just had no chance. I had no way of being able to tell them what to do because they already knew it. They knew it better than I did. But that was the way it worked then. And, you know, I'll be quite honest, I didn't think twice about it. You know, because mm. that, that was just yeah. the world I, I lived in and I was brought up in. And I look at the world now, and certainly the world has changed. And I think it's heading in the right direction. I agree. But but let's let's just, you know, by the way, my comment earlier was was meant as a joke <laughs> that that that, of course, men are more mentally tough. But we see this right. We see this in leadership. We don't see enough women in the Fortune 500 country, you know, companies. And, and I think and, and we've never had a, you know, a female president in the United States. And so I think a lot of people think that that females are somehow weak in that sense. And let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's just stop that conversation right here. Um, and, and start, a, here's the, here's the, here's an interesting thing. Both Tara and I took the, the mental toughness, uh, assessment 
that Doug's company offers. Uh, I am a licensed user in this, but it was it was kind of interesting. You know who scored higher? Tara did. <laughs> so again, we we just I think we got we, we've got to open this discussion up and say there's no reason to to look at a woman and say um, they're not mentally tough enough. And by the way, I would add. Uh, some of the people that are listening that are friends of mine, I, I've been around some very mentally tough women that, that would, <laughs> they can hold their own with any man I know. And so I, I think that's real world um, kind of research on my, far, on my part uh, to say that that's true. Uh, this is, this I, is I need fun. to put my hand up here, Ron, because yeah. um, I'm not a psychologist. Uh, people think I am. And by, you know, I've worked with some of the cleverest psychologists on the planet, so I probably have absorbed a lot of knowledge and understanding. My background is I'm an economist. And the thing that's always interested me is how do you create wealth in society? Because you're only going to improve society if you create wealth. I don't mean money. I mean everything, fresh air, drinking water, the lot. And the idea that in the past, we have told certain people in society you can't contribute to, to creating wealth because you're a woman or because of the color of your skin. It, it just doesn't make sense. And if we all want to have a better way of life and to raise our standards for ourselves and future generations, we need to be harnessing everything. You and again, it's one of the, the things that interests me in the mental toughness concept. So it, because what I've understood is you know, a lot of the economic models I learned were almost mechanical. And yet the confound in all of those is people. So I've always wanted to know how do people impact on systems, processes, and so on. Yeah, that's a big message for us. Diversity wins. There's all kinds of research to yeah. say you, if you really want to excel in business and, and, you know, let's say most people do, diversity wins it's just it, it just across the board uh it's going to diverse teams are going to perform at a higher level mm. but it's a, you know the mental toughness concept is also bringing a another dimension to the discrimination debate we tend to focus on again the very visible aspects of discrimination color of skin gender and so on but actually there's a more insidious form of discrimination you don't think the way I think, so I'm not going to accept what you're thinking. You can't see that. You can't see the label. But mental toughness can expose that. And no, what we so do true. see is the mentally tough sometimes reacting to the mentally sensitive, the mentally sensitive reacting to the mentally tough and not understanding why. If, uh, if people want to work with uh, you, Doug, and your team, is the best way to get in touch to go to your website? To go to the website and um, for inquiries to use head office at aqr.co.uk. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes. It's a, it's a long website, but aqrinternational.co.uk. That's in the show notes. And Doug, as we wrap things up, uh, we want to actually go back to, it just seems appropriate. You know, we want to go back to our signature question that we used to use early on in, in our podcasting days, which uh, is when it comes to mental toughness. Uh, what is your advice? I mean, you seem like the best person in the world to ask. What's your advice for people that they can actually take from you today and incorporate immediately into their lives? Well, I don't know how immediate it can be, but it's self-awareness. It has to be. It's understand yourself, understand 
what it is about you that is enabling you to do things and getting in the way of doing things. And it's the stuff inside your head. And unfortunately, the reason why we developed the questionnaire is there isn't an easy way of doing it. It's incredibly hard to do. You need to be incredibly skilled to be able to sit down and do this with somebody. I mean, literally take hours and hours. The advantage is the questionnaire enables you to do that in double quick time. It's not, it's not necessarily always 100% right, but it certainly gets you quite a way down that journey towards self-awareness. I think that's the number one thing for everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell all your friends. If you didn't, let's just forget this happened and we'll try again next week. Until then, join the revolution to forge metal and connect with us on social media.